Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today. Hey, everybody. My name is Aisha Foy. Um, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, I've been playing basketball all my life. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say my, my title. I'm currently di- the director of recruiting at the University of Kentucky. Um, and to just tell you guys a little bit how I got there, just a real brief. Um, I started off as a graduate assistant at Southeast Missouri State, and they just won OBC championship. Shout out to them. Um, and, you know, the reason – um, why I am so comfortable in being at a Power Five school and, you know, being the, the first director of recruiting is because of my experience as a graduate assistant. Um, like I just said, they, um, Southeast Missouri State they won a championship. So I, I got the opportunity to work for a championship coach my first time. Um, not only a championship coach, but a black woman. Um, and, you know, I'm black, I'm female, um, we're a minority. So I got to see what it was like to operate on a championship level, regardless of um, Power 5 school or not Power 5 school. I believe that, you know, the championship is a mindset and, you know, it is an individual pursuit, um, you know. So basically, as a graduate assistant, I got to um, put my hands in a lot of different um, avenues. And one thing I really enjoyed was recruiting. Um, you know, I love you know, picking the recruits up. I love, you know, setting up the hotel rooms. Um, I love just doing all that type of stuff. So um, that that helped me get really clear on the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, so that that's one part that's that's really important, getting clear. Um, I'm just going to be really brief. I'm not going to too much detail right now, but basically I knew that I wanted to be I, I knew I fell in love with recruiting and people and coaching when I was young. So I used my experience as a, as a student athlete to prepare for that. So I was really involved with, um, making sure my resume was good. 
um, making sure I was volunteering with leadership and things like that. That's kind of, that's kind of like at the end of the day, my bread and butter is, is leadership. So throughout my career, what I want to do, I'm just following a leadership path and where it leads me is where it leads me. Um, so I'm going to stop there. Um, and I'll pass it over to somebody else. Yeah. Coach Jenny, do you want to go ahead? Thanks coach Aisha. Oh, I get to be called coach me. Oh yeah. Everybody's a coach. We decided. <laughs> I'm a coach in like the most minimal capacity ever. But um I think I yeah, obviously I am I'm the one different one as I am not currently a college coach. Um but I am very connected to the women's collegiate basketball sphere and I went to Marquette University, um, grew up just absolutely idolizing that place because both my mom and dad played college basketball at Marquette. Um, so I think that ties in really interestingly into my story, but I was not a college basketball player. I had a couple D2 and D3 offers, um, kind of really knew I wanted to go to Marquette with all the ties. And I was super into the storytelling, connecting part of everything. Um, and so I, I didn't know how that would translate, um, or if I would be able to play a sport and, you know, get experience in that at the same time. Now I think it's a lot better, but, for me, I chose the path of, of going to Marquette and I worked super closely with our men's and women's basketball teams there from the athletics side. Uh, ran the Twitter for our Marquette men's basketball team, which was really fun considering Marcus Howard was just very fun to cover. And then with our women's team, I traveled with them a couple times, um, and was just able to cover them in a lot of different capacities. Um, especially because they had a really young team, uh, and then they ended up having five starters who all had a thousand or more points upon graduation uh, that I had gone through all four years with. So just a lot of cool basketball that I was able to be around have been super passionate about the sport for a very long time. Um, still try to get around and shoot and play and be around the game as much as possible, but currently have spent the last year at the NCAA uh, most closely with women's basketball um, and doing all things digital, social. I think the most visible is a lot of interviews with players and coaches. And we also set out on the inaugural NCA women's basketball road trip, which was 2016 schools in 22 days, um, which was wild. We based it off of top 25 teams from the year before just to kind of get the first one rolling, knew we would have plenty to talk about. And it was like, I peaked. That was like one of the best experiences ever. You just get to see how different programs function, uh, meet some of the top players and coaches in D1. So it was a really great experience. And I'm, I'm just grateful that I get to tell stories and connect with these student athletes and these coaches in a way, um, to elevate the biggest moments in their, you know, collegiate careers and coaching careers. Awesome. And then, uh, Coach LaSasha. Hello, everyone. Um, so, my name is LaSasha Conley, and I am originally from Morganton, North Carolina. Um, I was born and raised. Um, I went to college in Winston-Salem, North Carolina at Salem College. Um, I am currently a assistant coach at Maine Maritime Academy. Um, and so I'll kind of talk about the piece of how I got from North Carolina to Maine, because that usually is the topic of discussion when people meet me, um, is how I made it all the way to Maine. So um, ironically, I played against my head coach now. Um, we did not know that at all until I got to campus, but my freshman year I was playing in a tournament um, at Peace College, and which is Peace University now, I guess, in Raleigh. 
um, and he had brought a team down to play um, in the tournament as well. Maine Maritime did win against Salem, but um, it was pretty cool to know that, like, how small the world really is. And that's one thing that I've learned in my process of growing as a coach um, in this industry is really how small the world is and how connected you really are to people. Um, it's how I'm on this panel right now, and I'm very, very grateful for it. But um, So I played in college. Um, I took – couple years and coached high school. While I was doing that, I was actually using my degree a little bit for physical therapy. Um, I knew I wanted to get back to the game. Um, the biggest impact for me that solidified that I really wanted to be a college coach was my, um, my college coach, my junior year. She came in, and that was the first time I had a female coach in all of my years of playing basketball, and that was the first time I had an African-American um, coach. So not only did I, I, for me, I felt like I hit the jackpot. So um, her demeanor, her presence, um, how she carried herself. She's currently the head coach at Georgia Southern um, University, Coach Anita Howard. And um, everything about her was what I wish I had at a, at a younger age, but I didn't get until I was in college. So um, I really wanted to be that example and hopefully set a path for others to realize that someone like them can be a head coach, can be successful. Um, the past may be different, but, you know, if this is where you want to be, this is, you know, you have the, you can make that path and get there for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Um, so basically what our um, kind of like our heart in the whole women in sports episode, um, what Ashton and I are really, um, we really want to um, talk about the narrative of women in sport and we um want to hit on advancing narrative, the narrative in women in sport um, for our audience to see better and understand firsthand the opportunities there are for women to be successful in this industry. Um, even just from your guys' intros, just the storytelling that like Jenny's able to create is something that um, Coach Boy is selling to people. Um, she's recruiting these players that that is going to be her story. That is going to be their story. Um, and being able to see people um, like you doing that. So I just want to uh, swing it back over to Jenny and just kind of ask you, um, how do you see your story? Um, or like, what are your, what is your intention going into interviewing and kind of what's happening in, in the marketing and, um, media aspect of, um, the women's game and like the women side and even just being, um, a woman in that industry. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is everyone knows that there's so much room for growth, and I'm kind of sick of everyone saying there's a lot of room for growth when we can actually make that growth. Uh, the fact that, like, we have all the tools to be able to tell these stories and to be able to elevate them, brands, especially uh, the student-athletes brand, obviously a hot topic with NIL stuff passing and all of that, it just shows that it's all going to be uh the most important that it's ever been in the history of, of storytelling, if you ask me. Um, and I think for me, whenever I'm telling a story, I really approach it as you can tell stories, you know, across a bunch of different mediums and a lot of different ways. Um, my big three things are they have to be clear, concise, and creative, no matter what you're doing. And another big thing that's like my MO is like, 
my story that I am telling, like let's say I'm sitting down with a basketball player from Kentucky women's basketball, which shout out Aisha also because I had to interview Ryan Howard and she threw me the lob by telling me that Ryan knows how to draw. So, and it made for like one of the best, you know, interviews that we did because it got her personality out more. But this is all to bring it back to say, I want the story to be carried by the person who made it what it was. I want the story to like have been done justice by that person because it was who they are. And that's another big theme in terms of what student athletes really care about now. It's who they are off the court too. It's not just their stats. And that's something else I've learned. And maybe some people view that as a softer side, but like, if I'm interviewing a women's basketball player and I'm like, yeah, you had 2000 points and a thousand rebounds. How'd that feel? Like they, they care a little bit, but at the same time, if it's a, a player that you really want in your program, they're going to say, I care about winning and things like that and brush it off of themselves and be humble. But they care more about like my family was there to see it. So I'll ask about the moment, not the milestone. Or little things like that where you're just trying to, you know, get the person out of it because there's a person behind that stat line and they want to, you know, they care about the moment, not the milestone is the way I view it. So especially being a woman in this industry, I think it's just an automatic connector. Um, I love that I get to cover the women's game because I think there are a lot of aspects that you don't necessarily get in the men's game that you do in women's, especially the whole student athlete. They care about the student athlete experience. They care about school. Not to say that men don't in any way, but I just think that they they have a really holistic view of their student athlete experience, and that just enriches their stories and what they're setting out to do because, I mean, they're all such multifaceted, multi-talented individuals, which I think of all of you too. So it's just like a reoccurring theme here that, you know, their stories do matter, but it's time to not just you know, say that they matter. It's time to tell them and continue to tell them and not just say, yeah, look at what we could do. It's like, no, let's put the WNBA draft on ESPN. It's not like, yeah, that's so great. We could. So that's what hypes me up and and gets me going about it is doing these stories justice and making them feel heard. Definitely. I loved that. Um, And then to um, if um, LaSasha, you could hit on just like your experience, um, with advancing women in D3 hoops, as well as your other roles outside of, um, like you being more than a coach and you having, um, those opportunities. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I am, I did mention I am an assistant women's basketball coach, but I also have a couple other duties on campus where I do admissions. Um, work, which is kind of helping to recruit um, student athletes as well um, and student student body. But I also get to dabble a little bit into kind of like um, um, we have this thing called One Team on campus, and it's our women um, women athletes, student athletes, and it's kind of like an empowering group there. And I got to work with them, uh, one of the seniors this year, and work on um, really touching base with some of the students in our communities and working on like empowering young young athletes, um, letting them know um, they're, you know, empowering them at a young age through sports. It's okay to be quicker than the guys. It's okay to stand out, you know, just being the best version of themselves. Um, so doing that has allowed me to really take a bigger grasp with our student athletes to just realize that they're more than just a basketball or they're more than just a jersey um, and really being there for them. Um, 
in the administrative world, which is something that I did not know of when I was an athlete. Um, I just thought you played basketball, coaches, you coached, and then you kind of went home. Um, so being, seeing the other side of that and seeing everything that goes into that has really just um, allowed me to, has driven me to just want to be the best version um, I can be so that I can give the best experience to the student athletes, um, whether that's making sure we're in good hotels with food on the coaching side, um, being, being, you know, proactive in the, in the operational side of things, but also just making sure that I can be a voice for them, be a listening ear for them, um, empowering them, letting them know that, you know, um, they are great at what they do. It may not, that shot may not have fallen, but you just got an A on a test or, um, you know, you, you didn't get that stop. That was a big defensive stop and you didn't get it, but that's okay because we have a test to study for tomorrow and we got to be better in the class, just as good in the classroom. So, um, my duties overlap kind of, um, with the administrative and the, the coaching side of things. I still get to work with student athletes, um, which is something that I truly love and help with that development of student athletes, letting them know their voices more than just the soccer ball or the football or that basketball, but it also allows me to really um, empower our own girls of being strong, independent females um, fighting for what they want. Hopefully that answered the question. Sorry. Did. That was fantastic. <laughs> okay. And, uh, Coach Aisha, so, you know, your turn. How do you see the industry advancing for women? And just kind of going further into that, can you tell us more about your work with building your brand and the different ways you use social media to kind of engage with your recruits um, outside, um, you know, that outside presence that isn't just coaching. So um, I'm going I'm to clear my position. So my position is pretty unique. Um, before I got hired as a director of recruiting, I there wasn't a director of recruiting in women's basketball. So a lot of people confuse me as the recruiting coordinator, but I am on the support staff. So I support the coaches in um, their recruiting efforts. And what's, what's unique about that is, um, as Jenny was talking about storytelling, um, I got the opportunity to come in and kind of you help our coaches use social media to to let people know kind of how our program was. And, um, you know, if you come to Big Blue Nation, it is a, I call it basketball heaven. But we don't, we, we're here and we're enjoying all this, but they don't know about it, you know what I'm saying? So kind of what my how my position is, I kind of help build our brand in a sense, and I do that by um, being a – I try and be a voice for the players. I try to give off that the experience. I want to showcase the experience that you guys have here. Um, so like she was talking about with advancing, what, what I like to do, my approach coming in my first year was to start a blog. And I pretty much what I did, I just gave our players the, the camera – and they 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 went with it. They took it in the locker room. They took it wherever, and we showcased their personalities. And we would it could be the, the smallest thing, and it would be so impactful because people could see their personalities. Unfortunately, it is the truth that you know people aren't just going to come to a women's basketball game because they want to see dunks. They want to see you know the things that you get from a on a men's basketball at a men's basketball game and a women's basketball is is a completely different. Um, it's a completely different entertainment type thing, right? So people, they're coming to the game because they 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 want to see us play. Of course, we're, we're good basketball players, but what might get more people to the game is they seen 
that one of our players was Macy Morris, and she had a, a video, and she loved Wendy's 4 for 4, and she said it on a blog, and it was like the funniest thing ever. And people might come because they like her and she's funny, or they just, they vibe with Ryan, or they vibe with Jada, which is these are our players, and they're really cool. They see our personalities. So um, showcasing who you are and as an athlete, as a professional, as whoever, showcasing who you are, and that's all about, that's all of what it comes to building a brand anyway is showcasing who you are, building trust, um, letting people feel like, you know, they know you even though they might never um, see you in person. Um, so I hope, th- I hope that answered your question. What was the, the first part of your question? I know I answered the second part of your question. Uh, the first part was just talking about how we were going to advance the narrative of women in sport. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I pretty much answered yes, that. You did. You yeah. did it very well. Very well. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, we're gonna jump back to Jenny. Um, I just you guys are like flawlessly kind of like intertwining each other. It's great. <laughs> um, but just kind of like kind of with that, like to be able to um advance that narrative. Um, like what um Aisha was saying, she wants to show everyone that these girls are funny and they the word holistic keeps sticking with me about like they're 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 so much more than just the game. Um, the game is fun. It is. Um, advancing itself but just women in general like there there's much more to them than what's on the court but um, what kind of approach do you bring with creating your media do you have to have a different kind of standard I guess if you are making um, like a broadcast for a women's game or a men's game and just kind of like speak on that and how you've kind of used that into the um, NCAA women's um, media and like your time at the NCAA this this past year yeah well I think the first thing is I approach them both the same um, but there are tweaks that you obviously have to make because they are different games in some aspects even though in a lot of ways you know they are identical but um, I think the off the court aspect especially in like the stories that you can find like this makes me think about when I was at Marquette Carolyn Keeger was the only female head coach in the Big East out of all 10 schools. And like, for me, I was like, that's a narrative that like people know about. And like, maybe she'll get one question about at like a media day, but I was like, okay, how, how do we make this known that like, that's kind of wild. And the fact that, you know, and we can talk about female athletic directors and all of that, but like making those stories more known, attaching data to them, like our women's basketball road trip, you can be like, yeah, that, that was really cool. But then you take a step back and you're like, we just generated 6.3 million impressions uh, for our NCAA WBB account. And that's something that the men didn't have. And it's something that I wonder if they could have done. Like, yes, logistically could have, but how interested would people have been? Um, things like that, where it's the intangibles of like, I just think it, it suits the women's game and its brand and what the people surrounded around that game really care about. Um but yeah, and when I was at Marquette, like something that I also felt like I approached differently between men's and women's coverage was like a moment that sticks out is like, let's say Alizea Blockton was a player that went off when I was there. She was Marquette's first 2000 point scorer, male or female. And um, when that happened, we blew up that moment and it like obviously got athletics involved, local media, all that good stuff. And it was great. Um, but then like two nights later, uh, Marcus Howard drops a 45 piece on K-State 
and he's sitting outside the locker room, like slumped. And I was like, this is the picture people need to see that. Like he is exhausted after dropping 45 points on this team. And so I take a picture of him and put it on social media and it does like 10 times better than Alizea Blockton's record did. And it's like, do I wish it was that way? Not at all. But at the same time, it's just like, Men's has been so established, and like I, I, I kind of hate to compare the two because, like I said, like they're just so different. Um, and I feel like we, like we said, the the room for growth and everything. But like figuring out also that like posting more does not mean more impressions and more engagements and more things. You know, attaching people to women's basketball, it's finding stories that resonate with people and connect with people and getting them to want to follow a brand and like you know find out more about a story. I always use the Tiana Mangakahia piece as an example of like, that was a story about a girl on a break from basketball. And like now at this point, everyone's had to take a break from something they love with this whole COVID-19 situation. But like who like can't connect with having to take a break from something you love, um, whether for injury or for transfer or whatever illness, it's like, you just find those connectors, you paint them in that way, you find the center of the story, what that person cares about, and that's kind of what I let carry me. So hopefully that answered your question. That was great. Uh, you know, bouncing back to Coach Aisha, you know, you uh, just alluded to Big Blue Nation as basketball heaven. Can you just talk about some ways that Kentucky women's basketball really sets themselves apart um, from other programs in the nation? Um, I would say – um the university itself is is amazing the way it supports um the that like the program you know out out the it starts with the university um but our program specifically i would say the people um the people in our program our staff um like i it's, when i go into the office i'm like i can't believe this is a staff like every last one of our assistant coaches could easily be head coaches. Um, the their knowledge, the, the way they work together, um, is just like, wow, this is who's who this is who will be leading these players that will come in. Um, and then so we it's pretty much a family. Um, Coach Mitchell, he's he's really goofy. Um, he he loves to have fun. And our program reflects that. You can go on our social media page and you will see the first the first post you will see is us having fun before shooting out. Um, so I would say just that family environment, people wanting to help each other, um, that, that blue-collar mentality. Um, a lot of people think of Kentucky basketball, like, you know, or Kentucky athletics in general be like, oh, dang, they're a big-time school. They, they, they got a lot of money. But Kentucky has the mentality, you know, we work, you know what I'm saying? And the reason why – the money is good or, you know, it's because of the people taking care of it. Um, the, the, our leadership take care of it, make smart decisions. It's not just like, Oh, you know, we got it all just because it's, it's, it's the work that's, that's get put in, that gets put into it. And it really shows that hard work pays off. Um, I would say that to describe it, you can't, you really will see the fruits of your labor. Um, at Kentucky, I feel like it, it represents that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then even just going to coach Conley with that kind of same platform, I think it, it can be kind of a misconception that through the divisions, people, um, 
they either like, oh, you're a D3 athlete because you don't work as hard as a D1 or um, even like D2, like, oh, you probably had D1 potential, but decided to settle and play D2 and you wanted the best of both worlds, um, even just with um, not having the same platform as UK. But how do you as like a coaching staff and you as being able to impact your players and having players that work just as hard? And um, I think if you play a college sport, you're, you're working hard and, and you love the game, but how does that kind of change with um, having D3 players and being on that level? Um, um, wow. Okay. So I would say first um, our program, I think just stands out above a lot of programs, um, especially at our level. Um, our coach, coach and staff, we're all present all day, every day in the office. Um, like the, the foundation of our program is our family piece. Um, and we, we recruit families. It's not just the students that we're recruiting. When we go on the games, we want to see your parents. We want to know how they're doing. Um, just how involved we are with our, with our, with our players. Um, letting them know, like, you know, as a family, you, you, yeah, we want to take care of the basketball side of things, but we're also here to develop you as a player, as a person as well. We're trying to get you to be the best version that you can be within those four years that you're with us. So um, that family piece is something that just overtakes a majority of what our program is about. Um, when it comes to the different levels, I think you you hit the nail on it. Like um, we D three athletes still work hard. D three athletes are still put in the work. They still have the six a.m.s. They still have the two a days for some. Like it may not be as um, detailed or structured for um, and mandated, I should say, as the other levels. But um, there still are student athletes putting in the work um, to be great to, to have a great and successful um, collegiate career. So that is something that gets blown in the wind where somebody's like, oh, you settled or, oh, you don't have any scholarships and make people think less of where they're going. But it really is about finding the right fit um, and finding a fit that's for you. And that's something we talk to recruits about. Um, we're a small school on the coast of Maine um, and our majors are very specific with the maritime industry. So that already right there, if you're not looking into those majors and things like that, and it's going to be kind of hard, this may not be a fit for you, which is fine. But where where is the best fit for you? Um, so I think our program really tries to um, look for the best future for the student athletes and being there um, as a resource to help them along the way. And the fact that we can win a lot of games in between makes it better, uh, makes it a little bit more fun. But um, I think the family aspect is really what encompasses our program and really what takes uh, separates us apart. Uh, my coach, head coach, he's been here for 20 years, um, 19, I guess I should say, officially. And um, his, his wife is an assistant coach. Like, the dogs that practice, like, we are, it's very, very intertwined. Um, and I know we can do that at our level um, with our practices and things like that. So it's not – I don't know. I just think it's really, it's really different, but it's different in a good way because for me, it's the same values that I hold to my, true to myself with being a family person, um, just really being there for people and being in a supportive community. And this is definitely something that I've experienced and something that I know that I can get at the D3 level. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think something that your answer kind of brought up to, to kind of tie in like the social media aspect of it all, um, with um just sorry uh with Jenny um this is kind of this is kind of still 
catered towards um, Coach Conley, but do you think, like, media, and you guys can, like, piggyback off each other, do you think media has the ability to be able to show, like, uh, or just for social media to show that, like, you have, like, the playing abilities and we can post videos and make the narrative known that, like, NAIA, Division One, Two, Three, they all can play and they all can have, um, like, everyone has gear today, everyone has different things. Like, is there is there a um, a way to really do that for um, having access to be able to kind of have insight into different programs? Coach, I'll have you go first. Um, I would say, I would say yes from the standpoint of like social media side of things. Um, I think a lot, I think everybody realizes social media is, is it, is in. Um, if you want your school to be known, if you want somebody to, um, find out about your program, about your, you know, find out more about anything that encompasses your program, your coaching staff, your players, social media is where it's at. Um, so I think having programs who, I mean, there are programs who don't have a social media presence, but I think having that presence, um, getting your program's name name out, um, and starting from there, I think that's something that that can be done at no matter what level. Um, somebody may not know where Maine Maritime Academy is. You do now because I'm on this call. But, um, it, you know, having a strong social media presence, you could – find me in the explore page, maybe our, our um, basketball Instagram. And there it goes, you know, so that can draw more attention to what we're doing at our level. I'm um, seeing how successful we are. So I think there's, there's paths to have it. Um, it's just, I don't know exactly how that all encompasses together and, you know, gets the D3 really showcased um, as it does as much as D1 and D2. But I think it's, something that can be doable per institution. They definitely can do that on their own through their own social media accounts. Yeah. A perspective that I'll piggyback off of for that is my older brother had division one full ride offers and he chose the D three route. Um, he wanted to stay close to home and he ended up winning a national championship uh, with UW Whitewater. Absolutely loved it. Had the time of his life. And for me, I'm like, wow, like, I don't think people always realize that, you know, a division doesn't mean much when you're just trying to play the game of basketball. Exactly. Um, and I wish I kind of would have had that mindset more. But like I said, I knew what I wanted to do. And I didn't think basketball was like playing the game itself was like going to get me where my talents aligned. So but I just think, you know, Twitter's free, but how you use it is what sets you apart. Um, especially like that's how these programs that maybe people haven't heard of, that's one way, um, like a, a lot of things I see people do when they're trying to build like a following or a brand is like those hashtag blocks and in their Instagram captions and things like that, like hashtag basketball, hashtag women's basketball. And like, it looks silly, but it works. Um, people see your stuff. It gets you free eyes on your page. Um, but like I said, you know, social media, that's the glory of it. But at the same time, are you using it in ways that's going to showcase your program uh, and the student athletes that you have? That's kind of up to, you know, the way that you approach those stories and wind up producing them and publishing them. I wanted to chime in on that as well. Um, and so when I, the same approach that I had when I was at, when I was a graduate assistant at SEMO is the same approach I got at Kentucky. Like, nothing has changed. I'm just showcasing the players, um, wanting to know who you are. I feel like 
a lot of this comes down to branding and all that just comes down to who are you. Um, and I think about, you know, men's sports and I, I, I was in charge of the practice team and I, I just see how they, they're just in love with the, the, the players or the athletes. They're just in love with them. And I'm like, man, like, it's not because it's not, you know, they, you know, they fight over who's better, who's better, but they are like fans of those people. So I think if we do, if, uh, women, um, we do a good job at showcasing who we are. I feel like sometimes we, we're so afraid to show who we are. And, um, you know, that starts with, with self-awareness and, you know, knowing why you exist and why you do what you do. Once you do that and you can showcase that, you know, you can do it through your game, you can do it through anything. But when people know that and they can resonate that with you, now you have, you go from having like a basketball fan or, you know, supporter to actual fan or people that want to support you because they, they resonate with who you are. Um, I think, you know, everybody has a story and everybody, anybody can get, um, recognized by share, when they share their story. You know, that's all the big companies do. Apple, Nike, all they did was share their story. Um, and that's how they got the way they are. Um, so. I like what you said about like, you know, the women's aspect. It, I just interviewed a coach the other day and like off the record, they're like, remember when like women's coaches was kind of like a, okay, we're here. Like now we got to sit back and kind of like, yep. Like we're glad we're here. And now it's like, no, like look at Muffet who just retired, stepped down, I should say, cause that was the technical wording. So maybe it, we don't know how she's going to resurface, but I have a feeling something's going to happen. But uh like, look at what she did for the game. And it wasn't like, let me sit back. It was like a, here's my story. Here's who I am. And like, you can either get with it or get out. So, and it worked like the genuity and like leading with that kind of a grace, I feel like is a great way to, to get people to know who you are and buy into that. Yeah. I think even to going off of um, coach boy, what you said with, Basically, just you, you see the guys, the way that they interact, like they know who they are and they, they see themselves in like mentors or older people or whatever. I think, um, that kind of resonated with me because it took me a while to, I think, feel like empowered and comfortable and seeing a future in, um, in athletics when I started seeing more women and I started to get, um, I tell people this all the time, um, especially I have, um, a bunch of coaches on here right now that coached me, but I didn't see a female head coach until my last two years of playing basketball. And I played basketball my whole life. Um, I think it was um, the the male coaches I had definitely impacted my life and they were amazing people. But I think it, it wasn't until I saw myself and saw another woman that had been um, done everything for her family and like had, coached and then went to the high school level and done those things that it really it helped me to be able to do that and I think as time goes on that is definitely something that will be like like girls are starting to become more sure of themselves because we're telling that we're telling them that they can be like this and that they're allowed to be like this um and I think that's something that's super big and um definitely like get that that's like what you guys are doing for the industry um, and things like that. So that was just kind of something that hit me, um, when you said that, but Ashton, do you want to hop over to some of the questions we have? Yeah. So we're going to start taking questions from viewers. Uh, 
fantastic responses so far. Thanks, guys. Um, Adam had a question for Coach Foy. Um, you're, you're talking a lot about self-awareness, knowing who you're about, storytelling. How do you help um, your young women on your team figure out who they are? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I'm super active in, in doing that at the moment um, because my role, I don't interact with them a whole lot. Um, but, you know, if I was to have a one-on-one sit down with them, the few times I would, um, you know, you ask them questions. Like you, you challenge them. You, you ask them questions. Um, but it, it starts with you. Like, what, if you are self-aware as, as the leader, um, as the, the professional, then they look at you and they say, okay. So I actually do have an answer to your question. So the, the way you, the way you help them is by you being self-aware and you walking in your confidence and you having the presence. And when you do that, that, that's, that's an example for them. Um, like I was saying with, with the, with the, with the male athletes, right? So they talk about these professional athletes like they know them because they feel like they know them because of how they carry themselves. So I, I think it starts with yourself and the way you can get, become more self-aware with yourself. You just got to sit down and ask yourself the question. You got to have conversations with yourself. Um, you know, nobody can do that for you. Like, I mean, you, you can read a book. I, I've read a, a bunch of books to help me with that, but it literally has to be something that you just ask yourself, why, why do I do this? Why, why do I feel this way about something? Um, you know, don't try and suppress your feelings. Don't try and suppress yourself. Um, yeah, you got to behave a certain way at some times, but you know, if you feel some type of way about something, like when you sit down by yourself, ask yourself, why, why do I feel like that? Why, what, what's my favorite color? Why do I even like that color? You know, just little questions about yourself, like really sit down, do the homework and get to know yourself and, and then you, you model it. So this just makes me think of Coach Carter and uh, the quote from it that's like, um, you're playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. Like that whole thing, that which like I just watched that movie the other day. So I was like, dang, this is what it's making me thinking of. I'm sorry for the reference. But like, I just think you have a really good point about, you know, that's how you help these young women figure out who they are is you be authentically yourself. Coach Connolly, do you want to add anything to that also? Would love to get your perspective. Sorry, I didn't realize I was muted. Um, yeah, honestly, they that was the truth. Honestly, walking in your truth, I think, um, and allowing who you are and you being confident in who you are, allowing the girls to see that and see that as somebody they can look up to, I think that is kind of how you start that process. Um, and... Um, just knowing, like, you know, being being honest, having those honest conversations, like, yeah, I might have messed up today, but I will be better, you know what I mean? Or I didn't do this like I thought I was going to, because some people think they have these pedestals that they put people on, and they're like, oh, they did this, they did that, they're there, they make no mistakes, that's what I need to be, this perfect image, but just be honest, like, no, I messed up today. I, I really did. I messed up. It's cool, but you know what? I'm still here. I'm going to learn from my mistakes, and I'm going to be better. That's still standing in your truth, and that's still – um, that's not false advertisement for this younger generation. I don't want anyone to think that 
you know, if you're looking at somebody and think they have it together, they don't have those hard days. It's okay to have those hard days. It's okay to show that. So the next generation knows like, okay, she's here, but on the way, this is what she went through. You know, she was honest. So I know these days may come, but I know I need to still keep pushing forward. Oh, I want to add to that as well. She made a, a really good point about putting people on a pedestal. Like, we we do that so much, and I'm, I messed up. Every time I've done this in life, I've, like, went into this bad state of just, like, not knowing and, you know, walking on eggshells and stuff like that, and, and that's not me. But it just, it's, it's easy to fall into. Um, it's easy to lose your confidence or, or feel like you got to fit inside of a box. But the second you put yourself on, the second you put somebody else on a pedestal, you, you lose yourself, right? You, you can admire somebody. You can respect somebody. Um, if you work for somebody, yes, you need to respect them. Yes, you need to do what they ask you to do. But as a human, we're all human. Um, and, and the second we, we do that, and I feel like women, we, we do that a lot. Um, and it is a, is a balance. You, you really have to be, emotionally intelligent and, and, and know kind of how to act and how not to act to kind of not put others on a pedestal, but still remain, still have a humble spirit. I don't want to say be humble, but to have a humble spirit, but that just comes with being confident in yourself. Um, that, that, that's big, putting people on a pedestal with that. Nah. Definitely. I definitely think too, the, the shift in social media I see of people like being, um, more willing to be themselves, like, like teammates, like they don't want to be like, I feel like we went through this like beauty baller phase of like, you had to be like really pretty and this and that. And you played basketball too. And that was just kind of like an added bonus. But now I feel like the social media and the way, um, marketing is really highlighting players nowadays, like they can like, be funny like they can love the four for four from Wendy's and I think that's just something that has been really cool to see and I think um it can continue like to really push the narrative um with that so those are like really awesome answers and then the next question um from somebody is do you believe that you can have it all um I'm assuming it's like have everything you kind of like want in life like family um, all around stuff and still be in this profession. Oh, I'll start. Um, I think, I think you can have it all, but it, the, the hard part is, is figuring out exactly what is the all that you want. It's easy to think that having it all is having a bunch of money or having, um, things that you see other people with, but, what 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 does it mean to have it all? Like you know, for me is you know impact and, and freedom, and 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 basketball. You know what I'm saying? And if you follow those things, if you follow your rocks, then everything else is gonna come. The problem is we get off track with chasing things that we don't really care about. And now you know, you ever heard the the story uh, with a little phrase? chase two rabbits, catch none. So instead of us chasing, going after what we're supposed to go after and all the, the the things that human want, the fame, the money, all that stuff, that will come when you do what you, when you walk into who you are supposed to be 
or when you when you're following your specific path. So I do think you can have it all, but you can't you can't have it all by chasing it all. You can have it all by chasing what's for you, and then all is going to come. Yeah, I would just add on to that. Like, I think it takes evaluating how you measure worth. Like, do you view personal success as how you measure your worth? And like, if that's the only, and this is something I think college kids, you know, worry about too. Like, am I getting all the good grades? Am I going to graduate? Am I going to have a job or play professionally or become a coach or get that GA position, whatever, after I, you know, it's like that one track mind need to keep, you know, moving forward, pushing, pushing, hitting these goals. And it's like what we go through in our professional lives too. And it's like, but is that how you measure your worth? Like, is that it? And like, for me, I feel like I had like a, I don't know, I'm 23, a quarter life crisis kind of where like, you know, is that all that my life is going to be like what I do and like how far it takes me. And that's great and all, but like, if it's all about me, then I'm focusing on the wrong person in it. Like this should be, and this is what this is all about, right? Like there's tons of other people in this that are in the same boat that are trying to get ahead, that are trying to be surrounded in a community and be around others and so why not take that and use that, you know, as, as part of your why and just that's what I believe in, at least not saying that's the right answer for everyone. But like what you're doing should be for others and you keep showing up for yourself and you keep showing up for others and you'll do all of your stories justice, you know, both others and yourself. But um, I think that you can have it all. It's just based upon how you measure success and worth. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with both of them. Um, it really depends on, like, um, as Floyd was saying, it really depends on what is the that all that you're talking about. Um, and if you really want it, you'll find a way. You know, keep working for it, um, whatever that is. And I think I just I'm a firm believer. You'll if it's meant for you, it will be for you, and you can go get it. Um, so I just think that it it's possible. I'm someone who. Personally, I want a huge family. Um, I still want to coach and be involved in co collegiate athletics. Don't exactly know how that's going to work, but I just trust and believe that um, that, that it will. Like, I, I, I want to go after the success that I have in coaching, but I also want to go over my go after my personal success with the family um, as well. So if it's that sense that you're talking about, I think that's just something you kind of have to, like like I said, like balance um, and find that find that why between as that common denominator for you and uh, keep pushing for it. Great. Um, you know, just kind of looking back from where you are now to where you started, what's been, um, you know, a challenge that you've really had to overcome um, just being a woman in sport? I can kick it off. Uh, I think especially in media, it's evident it's gotten a lot better and, obviously covered a lot of ground. I still think there's a ways to go, but um, it's skewed for sure. And especially women's basketball media coverage before the call started, we were talking about um, DePaul's Doug Bruno telling me that, and I asked him a question that was like not even super related to how he answered it. I was like, how have you seen the game grow? Cause you've been involved since college women's basketball's early days, USA women's basketball. He like serves as like some sort of, I don't know, reference to the Chicago Skies, so ties to the WNBA. And I was like, have you seen the game grow, you know? And he was like, women's college basketball is behind the ball on, on media coverage and talks about uh, watching, like, Michael Jordan and the 
Bulls back when they had all these media members and then when they were really bad and had no fans, but then they still had all these media members. And obviously even the media landscape has changed. But I think for me, it's just the fact that like, it's a similar look and that was however many years ago uh, is kind of scary. And so just, just making sure that these, these voices are heard and that the story, the stories, yes, like they exist in volume and quantity, but like upping the quality and making sure that it's connecting to other people so that they want to share it, they resonate with it. uh, And they feel as though it matters too. Um, Because once you show value in a story in something that's how things grow. Like look at the WNBA, for example, like once you show that there's value in it or people care about it, it'll get bumped to ESPN for, for the draft and things like that. So obviously there can be a multitude of other factors, but I think for me, like I remember I was like a freshman at Marquette and I was the only female uh, in the whole media room after a Marquette men's basketball game. And there were like 40 people and they were all white dudes, which nothing wrong with that. But I was just like, Whoa, this is crazy. And then I interned from the Milwaukee Brewers baseball club and I was the only female in that office. And it it was just little things where like, I realized it, but I was like, I don't know how to change this yet. Like, and I don't know what to do about it. I kind of accepted it. And that's the first step and like acknowledging, but just realizing that like speaking up about those things is like extremely important figuring out ways to help other women so that it doesn't have to be the outlook when they look around and they're sitting in a room, you know, 10 years from now. Um, so for me, toughest challenge. Um, wow. I'm kind of going to take the route of um, a personal tough challenge. Um, and that was, that's me um in our conference I want to make sure I'm stating this correctly before I state it pretty sure pretty sure okay I was the only African-American assistant coach um in our conference and it wasn't like a tough challenge um per se I had a necessarily hardship with it but for me it was just different realizing that like um I really am that only African-American female coach in our conference um and it was something that like I did, it didn't resonate with me like my first year or so and then um it started resonating with me like okay and I realized like there's other African-American athletes um in our conference as well and I'm like trying to make sure that um I don't know like I carry myself well if that makes sense like I realized how big of an impact Coach Howard had on me and so I know I didn't coach those kids but I also wanted them to be like oh if they want wanted them to see that figure if they wanted to be a, a coach um like okay this is someone this, I'm that person that they've come in contact with that looks like them um is doing what they want to do aspire that way so it's not that it was a tough challenge but I realized like my role really is bigger than me um in, in, in the moment because I realized I can be touching I may not be directly communicating with these athletes or communicating with other coaches of that nature, but um, realizing that my voice, my presence really is um, a huge presence throughout my daily um, activities, whether I'm on campus with our girls, even when we're on the road um, in our conference and things of that nature. So it's not necessarily a tough challenge, but it's one of those things where personally I had to like stand in my truth and really um, be aware of, of who I'm coming in contact with and, you know, maybe I can be a resource of helping them or 
maybe um, be an inspiration to somebody being like, okay, yeah, there is, I can be in this position or something of that nature. So kind of hope that helps us try to take it a different route that time. That was good. You said that like even um, that it wasn't like a hardship for you. Like when I was sitting in those rooms and I was the only girl, I wasn't like, oh, this is the worst. This is so hard because like you adapt and you figure it out and it's not like it's not a hardship. But at the same time, it's like I can see why this is an issue. Yeah. And why there needs to be something done about it. So I appreciate you mentioning that part. I would say um, the biggest challenge um, is is just the same challenges you will have you will have in life. So staying true to yourself. Um, when you when you listen to all the the really successful coaches speak, they always talk about staying true to yourself, staying true to yourself, staying true to yourself. And we, we as humans, we complicate it. So I would say, you know, a challenge with with being in sport is just knowing that. You was remembering that you you was meant to be here. Like, there's a reason why you're here. Like, you don't have to try and do anything. You just need to be you, and you know, be the be the best you that that you can be. Like, you know, I've been playing. I started playing AU basketball when I was eight, and I was full going it since then. So I don't look around about oh, there's men, there's women. Like, no, I'm just doing what I do. That's that's just how it's always been. Um. It's, I, I heard this quote today. It said, be yourself long enough and you'll get, you'll get paid to do so. So I think a challenge is we, we just go and we trying to be, we trying to be, we trying to do. And it's, it's not about that. You, you are, the reason why you have it, the reason why you're there is because you deserve it. Um, I think that's one thing that, that women really have to embody and understand because like men don't act, men don't walk around like that um men are super confident like you know like i said i was in charge of practice team and, and you would think they you know were the players and you know they they ready they they got the most confidence in the world and it's funny like you know I i'm not mad at them for it. i think it's funny and i'm just like dang like i just be laughing like that you got confidence for no reason but a woman could have the same amount or a better skill and be struggling with confidence. So it's, it's all about just being you and just showing up, you know, as yourself. I also kind of want to add to that. Um, like, I think if you can stand in your truth and just be you, that makes the tough part go away for sure. Because like, um, I, my head coach, like I said, he's been here for 19 years. Um, but our communication has been really well. So like I could step into our position and he already had that respect for me. Um, but I feel like if I wasn't confident or some of the stuff that I was saying, then that would kind of like, that would have been a tough challenge. You know what I mean? But he was already open ears, open arms, like willing to hear what I had to say, but also, you know, not saying he had to do it or had to agree with it, but at least he was open to hearing from it. But that also allowed me to learn too, but it took me being like confident and, you know, whatever that may have been, whether little things, honestly, from um, booking the hotels to figuring out a practice, like just being confident with presenting stuff to him um, has, I think, helped kind of that barrier that most people kind of think of of being like a male dominant sport and um, or male dominant and me being a female with him. Um, I think having that confidence and continuing to grow in confidence 
um, allow that challenge to not surface as much as the other challenge definitely did for me. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good word. Those are all good, really good pieces. Um, I think something that, um, we kind of want to be the theme of this as well with the women in sport aspect is just kind of, um, asking our guests what their like points of pride are, um, and kind of what you guys at the end of the day, um, I think it's appropriate to say, like, how do you guys walk in your true selves and, and what kind of, um, you know, it, it doesn't um, need to be um, a short answer by any means. Cause I think it's, it's everyone's story is super important, but kind of like your points of pride of at the end of the day, looking back on each day, how do you guys reflect of like, okay, like, I think I, I think I'm doing what I, I want to do and I'm living in my true self or kind of like, how do you tweak that and self-evaluate that um, kind of like when you're putting your head on the pillow? Um, I will say, I, I can't say that every every day that every day when I leave the office or at the, at the end of the day, I'm making sure I'm, I'm I'm walking in my truth or making sure I'm doing these things because we we get off paths so easily. Um, but I know when I do get off path when I when I go back to it, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm here to serve. I'm going to support staff. So. At the end of the day, my my role is to support, and and I feel like that is that's part of who I am. So am I supporting? Am I am I providing the service? Am I being a listening ear? Um, am I putting myself not putting myself last, but you know, in this moment, am I not worrying about myself and focusing on the the person that you know that needs something from me? Um, so service. Another thing would be relationships. Um, Am I going out the way to build relationships? Am I, I said this, but, you know, being present with people? Um, am I, am I building genuine relationships? Um, you know, am, am I sticking to my values? You know, do, doing those things, um, doing those things when I, when I think about it, that's how I know, you know, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And, and like I said, like, it, me, I'd be all over the place. So, you know, I can go, you know, a week or so and just be moving, moving, moving. And then, you know, through that time, I could be feeling like I'm doing a terrible job, doing like I'm feeling like I'm doing a bad job or a good job, whatever the case may be. And I got, I have to schedule in time to come back to myself and to be like, okay, am I on the right track? Um, I got I got a book recommendation for you. It's it's really good. Um, it's called. I got it right here. Is it her own? Is it your own book? She's writing a book, guys. No, also, not yet. <laughs> it's coming. It's in process. So slowly but surely. But the one thing, right? So before before I began interviewing for the job at Kentucky, right? So you know how our business we can easily get caught up into moving moving up the ladder doing things quick um you know getting a new job and stuff like that so i wrote out what i wanted let me find the page but this book right here is is really good about just being clear it's not about basketball it is about productivity purpose um habits um and just being clear on, on what you set out to do so this thing right here right 
you probably can't read what it says, but the bottom one is purpose, right? So when you when you move in and shaking, we move fast in this business. When you go back and you think about what is my purpose, all right? You got the purpose, and then your what stands on purpose is priority, right? Then what stands on that is productivity and then profit, right? So a lot of times we get stuck in the productivity, right? But that's that's the third thing. The first thing is is purpose, and that's knowing who you are and why what you are here to do. All right. So a lot of times we we just get worried about getting things done and 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 moving real fast, and that's that's important. But when you got the the purpose down, you know how to prioritize, and then you can be productive. And then if you got those three things, now you can you know have a good. Um, career and you all the money the all that all that stuff jobs that stuff is going to come if you got those things online but before i started interviewing for this kentucky job i i wrote what i wanted i wrote exactly exactly what i wanted and i had to ask myself do i want to be an assistant coach right now or do i was 20 i was 23 when i when i finished my graduate assistantship so i was like do i want to be an assistant coach right now or do i want to be a 23 year old assistant See, those are two different things. Do, do I really want to be an assistant right now, or do I want to be a 23-year-old assistant, right? So that was me getting caught up in being a 23-year-old assistant. And once I had to sit down, actually, when I read this book and I really figured out what I wanted, I wrote down, I want to help coaches with social media. I want to help with recruiting. And I want to help um, build brands. And I want to be able to have time to kind of write my book and kind of figure myself out. So I wrote those things down. I was really clear. And the job, the perfect job for me came open. And because I was clear on what I wanted, remember this, this job wasn't a thing before, before I got here. So it was like just, just being clear. So when you get off track, have it written down. Like if you got to write it down every day, what is your purpose? Like what, what do you want to accomplish? Um, you know, and that's how you can stay on track. Because it, it's so easy to get off track. I, I'm talking all this stuff. I get off track all the time, every day. Every day, you know, I start off every day. I end up some. I end up down to the ground every day. So um, it's definitely something that you have to work on and, and let it be a work in progress and, and build a habit to stay true to yourself. That's a tough, tough act to follow, y'all. <laughs> Sasha, have a... Uh... <laughs> Jenny, um, I'm not the coach anymore. I'm not the coach anymore. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, that's a really tough one to follow because I personally, I really do try to like evaluate days at the end of the day. Um, I try to like debrief and just see like, okay, what did I do today? That's like Coach Boyd was saying that aligned with um, my purpose because. My purpose for me, if it's bigger than me, my faith is huge. So um, I just want to make sure that what I did throughout the day, like, aligned with that, um, whether that was making my coach look good, being there for a player, um, you know, scheduling a lunch with a couple players to not talk about basketball. I just want to talk about life. Um, just just wanting to um, – like, did I accomplish things that I try to set out to? I don't get to do that every day. Um, especially during season when we're traveling, we're going all over the place. Um, the time just isn't there, which people are like, make time for it. It's just sometimes it gets 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 away um, from me. And so I, 
I'll have everybody knows Sundays are Sasha Self Care Sundays, and um, they really are do not disturb phone. <laughs> um, I'm usually at the back shore. I'm, I'm doing stuff that regathers me to make me be able to pour out, um, pour my purpose out. So, but I have to get filled up first, and that's that Sunday where I can get filled up, and I try to make that last throughout the week. It doesn't last all the time, but at least I know. Maybe if I need some more on Wednesday or Thursday, I just need a moment. Let me get back to it. Um, but I really try at the end of the day to make sure that I'm, I was present for those who needed me um, in whatever capacity that was, whether that's my coach needed me last minute for something, um, the AD needed me to go and mop up the floor, whatever, it, what, literally whatever it is, I just try to be present. And sometimes that means I'm stretching myself really thin and those, that cup needs to be filled up, filled sooner than Thursday on like a Tuesday. But, um, it allow it brings me joy because like Coach Boy's saying, I'm here to serve. Um, I really do truly believe in that. And I think coaching is part of servanthood. Um, and so I, I, I really think that at the end of the day, I try to make sure that I've done something to help somebody else because I don't want to just selfishly go through the day worrying about myself. I want to try to help somebody else to get through their day. So it's clear that I am not a coach, but that's not to say playing growing up, like coaches had such an impact on me and it relates to this because like not every player that you coach is going to go on to be a coach either. But for me, like I had um, one of my friends, moms coached like one of my middle school basketball teams and me and another girl maybe it's a midwest thing or a girl thing I don't know we would always say sorry like if we missed a layup we'd be like sorry and that coach made us run and get on the line every time we said sorry and like little things like that I was like ooh, like this is teaching me about you know how to be confident and that it's okay to make mistakes and you don't have to apologize and then I think like Fast forward to now, and, like, I'm interviewing Gino at UConn, and his, like, MO that sticks out to me is, like, I was, like, Coach, like, you know, what's been a constant all these years? He's, like, I can still look at a player and tell them what they want and, like, figure out how it is that I can help them get what they want. Like, he's, like, I can read you, I can know what you want, and I can help you get there, and I'll convince you that, too. And I'm, like, Okay. Like that, like, but the people that are so confident in what they know and what they preach, um, just goes back to the being true to yourself, you know, living your truth, being present. And it just makes me think about like, for me, I just, my big thing is keep showing up. Um, I just think, and it's this quote by Desi Linden, who's not involved in the basketball world, but she was a marathon runner, um, who won the 2018 Boston Marathon. And she said, some days it'll feel like you're trudging through hell. Other days it'll feel like you were born to do it. No matter what, you keep showing up. You see what you got. You give it the best that you can and you see what happens. And I just think like, and like I said, that's not just showing up for you. That's showing up for others. And yes, you'll have to dole it out in different ways. Maybe a self-care Sunday, whatever it is. But I'm like, keep showing up is like the biggest thing. Like I, I had that on my, my bathroom mirror. I was like, even if I don't feel like it, like in quarantine, if I just ate like 10 handfuls of puppy chow, which I hope you guys know what that is because someone the other day told me they didn't know what puppy chow was. It's like the Czech cereal with like, like chocolate and peanut butter and powdered sugar. Oh, yeah. Maybe you call it like muddy buddies. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. These posters are weird. I had to, I had to deal with them for like a minute of my life and yeah. just some of this stuff. <laughs> it's puppy chow. 
but like don't feed it to a dog either. But <laughs> nonetheless, if I have like 10 handfuls of that and I don't feel like doing anything, like I go back to how are you going to keep showing up? Like, yeah. and I have a habit tracker journal where it's like basically a grid and it's like pray, brush my teeth, make my bed, uh, write in my journal, write down three gratefuls, uh, work out, call someone I love, uh, little thing, Bible time, do a crossword. And like, no, I'm not going to do all of them every single day, but it keeps me on track of the the good things that I think make me who I am and how I'm going to continue doing them and living them out. So that can be the best version of myself for everyone else. So the pride for me just comes from continually showing up. And I just, I don't know, like I said, it goes back to how you measure worth and success. And like, for me, like, am I making the people around me better? Am I making my family proud? Am I able to make a difference in the space that I'm in and uplift other people? Uh, those are kind of the boxes I look to check. And yes, God bless puppy chow, Nicole. I think it's great too, to just highlight like for our viewers that each of these individuals had different things. Um, they had, they had books, they had um, just self care in time. They had like making lists. I think that's something that is super important to, to know that you're allowed to create your own type of self-care and figure out like what you truly need. Um, I think that's something super important because we can, we can look at LeBron and be like, okay, we need to do this, 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 and this, and a million other things. But like that might not be be in our wheelhouse and it might not be what you truly need back to the truly thing. Um, but yeah, so I definitely just wanted to, wanted to highlight that because like we are all different, but we are all in this industry fighting the good fight so um ashton take it away no no that's that's fantastic stuff that's exactly what i would would agree with we're all going through like a collective traumatic experience right now with this quarantine and we're all in the same storm but we all have uh different boats and we're all in different uh just kind of dealing with it in our own way so that's awesome um just kind of like wrapping everything together tying everything you guys said um what would you say to women who are trying to, you know, advance in the sports industry? Um, how should they equip themselves? Just some advice on um, how they can achieve their career goals um, in their own pathway. Um, I will start by saying that your path is your path. Um, don't try to look at somebody else's and be like, okay, I need to be a GA first. I need to try to write a book, but maybe I need to go work for NCAA. And then maybe I just need to check out the D3 route. Like your path is literally for you. Um, I think I didn't realize that when I first got started in the business, I thought, oh man, I need to start here and go there. But if I'm not there, then I need to go. And then I had to, it all came together. I think what we've kind of been talking about here is finding your truth and figuring out your purpose um, and for me, um, I allowed my faith to just kind of like lead me to where I'm at right now. And it's realizing that putting in the work, um, and, and I don't know how else to say, but putting in that work, um, knowing you want to be somewhere and putting in the work to get there, but also realizing that you may take four steps to the right and one step forward before taking two steps back, but you're still in the right path getting there. Um, you got to keep pushing forward. Um, it, it, it really is. It's going to look different for everybody, but as long as you have those resources and make those genuine, genuine relationships with all, um, I think that's something that you can tailor towards whatever level that you go to. Um, I tell recruits, um, 
I don't get to tell them as much anymore, but <laughs> I used to tell recruits that, you know, some people used to look down so much on D3, and they would get so upset. And at first, I'd get so mad with all the words and people being so negative. And I'm like, but you don't even know who my friends are. So you're being, like, negative to me, and I have friends that are actually could possibly be recruiting you, but here you are, you know, burning that bridge. So, like, be mindful for what you say to people, how you act in front of people, um, and and realize that, like, Every day that you're around somebody or you come in contact with somebody, you're, that's your resume. Some people may not ever get to see your paper resume, but they get to experience you and they get to come in contact with you and know that that may be all they need for, for a resume. Um, so keep working on your brand, whether that's physically, mentally, um, social media-wise. Uh, work on your brand and know that your your path is going to be totally different from somebody else. It's not going to look like somebody's who's already there. Um, you may end up as that head coach, but you're definitely going to go different routes to get there than somebody else. But still stay the course and trust the process. I'm not following that up. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Come on, Jenny. Girls in media, girls in marketing. I know. I like. I'm supposed to. Like, I gotta hear a couple more. Yeah, I'm the only female on my marketing team right now. My my boss was on maternity leave, and I was like, "Don't leave me, please." But you going, Jenny? Just like okay. Well, this relates to what I was gonna say. I was gonna say I'm I'm giving you the lob, but like this is part of my like. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but (laughs) people all the time is like, I love throwing lobs and I throw lobs to people that I know can throw down. And like, I know that's a dunking analogy, but like be the person that people want to set up and help because, and how do you do that? Like I look for people who lead with grace and poise because those are the people that I'm going to trust. will have like a slam dunk opportunity, like that you can automatically just know that they will do a great job, that they, whatever you respect them, like respect, grace, gratitude, genuity. Like I'm huge on those things. And if you can see those in people right away, like you throw lobs to people that you know can throw down. Like I, I got a message from a girl the other day that was like, Hey, can you put in a good word for me for this job? And I had never met the girl. And I was like, this is an interesting tactic and like no flack towards her. But I was just like, you know, some people just don't know how the networking and all that stuff works. And I was just like, this girl's just asking me to help her for a job. I don't know her. And she just knows my title and where I work. And so it's kind of like one of those things where like, I try to take a step back and I'm like, you want to like do a phone call and like, can I hear about what you want and like why this position and things like that, instead of being like, no, or like, I don't know, like, I don't know, just trying to like have a little bit of grace in that. But at the same time, like, I don't know, searching for those people that, like I said, you know, will throw down and and be the person that other people will know will throw down. I think that's the biggest thing about women in this industry is like, know what you're capable of, show that you can do it, have it be part of who you are. And then people will trust you with the ability to set you up for success down the line. That was great. I'm throwing the lob to you. You're on this side of me, by the way. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> now you was doing it the right way. Um, so basically, like what she just said, you said be the person that people want to throw the lob to, or be the person that you throw a lob. You throwing a lob, or which which one did you say? Yes, you want to throw lobs to people that you know will throw down, but you still want to be the person that can throw down. Gotcha, gotcha. So 
taken from what she said, like you, you have to find something. First thing, you you have to find something to bring to the table. So, if that's fine, developing your skill set, think thinking ahead, saying how can I help this staff or how can I help um, this women's basketball as a whole. You have to find people say find a niche, but you know I, I would just say just find a way to add value. So you want to interview for a job, you you write in your cover letter. Go on a go on a do research on the program and find out literally what can you bring to the table, um, so that you can you know fill a role, um, and then you know your your story is is already written. So um, one of them said I can't remember who said it. Somebody said trust the process. So your story is already written. So we already know that we know our story is already written. So now it's time to just do the work. And put yourself in positions to to be successful and to learn and to grow. Um, I'm, I want to touch on getting in the room, right? So, you know, this 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 industry, this profession is all about connections and who you know and things like that. That plays a huge role, right? But that doesn't mean you know go to every networking event that you can find and throw around your business card and you know tell people you're gonna hit them up and never do, and you know, you know the fake networking stuff. But what does help is association. People associate you with with other people or with a program or that whatever the case may be, right? So when when you see opportunity to to be associated with somebody, take that opportunity, right? Um, it's crazy how the human, like the human brain works, right? So, whatever you have to do, if you got to spend money to go to a symposium, if you got to spend money to, to, to be a part of a, a program, um, you know, to be a part of a community. Community is huge. So get in that room so you can have those conversations. The conversations that you need to have are not the ones that are going to be easy to, to get around. It, it might take work. Like for example, like I, I work with a, a step up symposium and it's kind of like it's a volunteer side thing but I, <laughs> there's a lot of times I'm doing it full time um but the reason why I'm I'm so willing like is ran by Felicia Hall Allen and you know she she's done a lot for me but I'm so willing because there's no amount of work or there's no amount of stress or whatever the case may be whatever I'm sacrificing that can that I can repay who I get to associate by being involved with that organization. Um, matter of fact, we're having a um, symposium starts on Monday. Look at the speaker lineup. It's $25. Look at the speaker lineup. We got literally the best of the best, and I get to interact with those people. I get to, I get to serve those people. Um, you know, I get to be background doing the work. And that's, that was a volunteer thing that I started doing when I was a junior in college. Um, so getting in the room is important and to get in the room, you have to bring something to the table. Um, some people get in the room by being related to people or just, you know, having family members. Sometimes we don't have that, especially women. Like we, we really don't have that luxury. Just, you know, it's, it's not as, it's not as, um, common to just, you know, we just, we just pulling people, we just pulling people up. So you got to find a way to get in the room. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, if your, your younger sibling can, you know, 
have your the friends that you had because they was just at the house. And now you got friends and now they know your little brother. But or now they know you as their little sibling. But that's not the case in this profession. So you have to bring something to the table. You have to have a reason for them to want you around. Even if it's like, well, let me take notes at the meeting. Or um, that was what I what I started off doing with the stuff. I took notes at the meeting. Um, I, I stood by the door, waved and smiled. And um, what else did I do? Wh- whatever the case may be. It could be as little. It could be small. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this. My first, the first job, the first task that I had to do when I was a GA was clean, clean the microwave. And I cleaned the microwave as best as I could possibly clean the microwave. And I did it because that was, it doesn't matter what it takes. It doesn't matter what's asked of you, right? The association is, is important. But like I've been saying throughout the whole thing, don't lose yourself in that association as well. Appreciate the association, appreciate the people, but um, don't lose yourself in that. Yeah, Adam saw me clean the microwave sometime. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see me in there. Those were all fantastic responses. Um, just kind of like closing, I want to say thank you. You know, Aisha, you talked about, you know, bringing something to the table. All three of you bring something to the table for this industry and for women who are trying to gain this industry. Um, and I, I just want to thank you for, you know, taking time out of your day to really just explain your insight and share your story. Um, this is the first episode of many, hopefully, for Aaron and I. Uh, we're trying to make this something weekly to really, really advocate for women in sport. And I think you guys really set a solid foundation. And I just want to say thank you again. Well, thank both of you. Uh, Aaron and Ashton, like story song, we just talked about it, is one of the best ways uh, to get people's stories told, to be able to understand and connect, to be able to, you know, have something be known that deserves to be told. And I just think that. This is an incredible way to do it. Adam, shout out to you too and just everyone involved. Um, I just think you're doing the right thing and I really appreciate it. Yes, yeah, super, super thankful for the opportunity. Um, and thank you guys for reaching out because um, I'm sitting up here taking notes because I learned something tonight too. So not not too proud, not ever too big or anything to learn um, from anyone. So I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you guys for getting this organized um things are starting this up and this is something that can keep going i'm i'm really excited to keep keep looking um and keep learning every week for sure um saying thank you thank you for the opportunity thank you for for reaching out and asking you know us to be a part of it um like she said i took notes too i'm i'm here learning like you know i'm like you know what what she said oh okay clarity concise okay got that um, so yeah, it, it's been really fun. Thank you all for taking the time to, to, to come and, you know, listen, listen in on the panel. If anybody want to follow up with me in any way, um, I'll give you guys my email address is Aisha Foy, A-I-S-H-A dot, no, just Aisha Foy, A-I-S-H-A-F-O-Y at gmail.com. See, that's what happens when you have um, too many email addresses. <laughs> if you guys need anything, too, feel free to reach out. Um, being in social media, social might be the best. My personal email is out on my social media, too. But Jenny Lynn Fish, anything you guys may need, DMs are open, happy. And thank you to just everyone who tuned in, too, because, I mean, this is just a great community to have. And I will be tuning in next week. So. 
Thanks for listening to Women in Sports. Make sure you follow Women in Sports on social media at womeninsport underscore RC. For more information on Rising Coaches, visit risingcoaches.com. And we hope to see you back on the show next week.